welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by lead pastor Robert Herber. For more messages and resources, head to allpeopleschurch.org or download our free All People's app. All right, happy Sunday. How you doing? Good. You know, I love to share funny things with you. And uh, last week, we had a funny experience. We were actually having a church consultant come in. We'll bring in a consultant every couple of years to just help us understand our blind spots, ways that we can improve. And so I'm knowing that's happening. And so I'm so bummed when I wake up and I feel sick and I'm coming already late. And we're going to be in meetings all day. This is last Sunday. <clears throat> and I get a text from Kendall on the way to this this. Church consultants coming from the suburbs. I get this, this, um, this text that says, "Robert, there's a suspicious character on our property. Don't worry, we've already called the police. They've been notified. They should be here. Something awesome. The consultant's going to come up. There's going to be police cars everywhere. I'm like, we're off to a great start. I'm already sick, and um, so we we start the service, and then halfway through first service, the air condition breaks." And it shouldn't be a big deal, but it gets so hot. And the problem is I wore a sweater last week, you know, because I'm dealing with the cold and I'm not wanting to get chilled. And novice mistake, I didn't iron the shirt under it. So the so it's like totally like just crumbled up. So I can't take my sweater off. We get into service too. I am baking under a sweater with it like 80 degrees. Kendall comes in after the second service. He's like, bro, the parking is crazy crazy. We've been having a ton of people uh, having trouble parking in our second service, so thank you for coming to the third service. And um, so he comes in, he's like, bro, this is out of control. And, and, and I go, bro, that's not as bad as our air condition's broken. And so he looks at me, he goes, should I climb up on the roof and try to fix it? Now, Kendall's a business major. I don't know, you know, but in, in classic you know, executive pastor, I, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'm like, please. So the problem is he has to go through this door right here in the front of the service. So you might have seen him if you were at the second service last week. Kendall goes up and he climbs up the ladder. He's on the roof. Well, it's just baking hot. It's a tar, black tar roof. He's looking at the air conditioning. He can't fix it. He's pouring down sweat. He's getting super hot. And so he comes down in the middle of the service. I'm already up preaching he comes down and he goes from glaring sun through a dark room. So when he steps out, he like can't see anything. Well, guys, I'm preaching. And if you were in the second service, I started coughing. I've been preaching for 20 years. This has never happened. I start coughing uncontrollably where I can't keep going. Like I, I literally, I cannot talk. So I'm like, I see Kendall. I'm like, yes, come help me, Kendall. And he's like walking through. He's been in the dark. So, he, so I'm calling him up. He comes up. And to look at the screen, I'm like, Kittle, just read the scripture. He looks down at the screen, and he can't see anything. Like, the screen is blank for him. So he's standing in front of everyone. I've turned around, like, guzzling water. All the while, I, I turn around back and look, and the church consultant is looking at us like, he has this grimace on his face. I'm sure he's like, who are these guys, and who let them lead a church? And so, so Kendall finishes the first scripture. Now, I need to preach after it. You know, I have like scripture in my notes, then I have all these points, but I'm still coughing and I can't stop. So I just skip all those notes. I move to the next scripture. I have him read it. He looks back to me to hand me the mic. I still can't preach. And so Kendall all of a sudden, I mean, he's totally discombobulated. He just grabs the podium and he goes, I'm Robert Herber. 
and I'm preaching right now. I'm like, what is he saying? I'm Robert Herber and I'm preaching right now? So anyway, by God's grace, I finally got it back together. People are streaming down the aisles bringing, bringing cough drops to me. I had like 15 cough drops placed on my podium. It was like they're bringing their offerings before the Lord. And people are like, we love you, Robert. <laughs> I'm like, I know. So, I, you know, I like to talk to people after the service, but I can't do it. Like, I, I have no voice. I'm sitting in my, in my office. Kendall walks in. He's like, bro, I am so sorry, man. I couldn't see a thing. <laughs> and and uh, he's like, there's nothing worse than preaching. I was preaching on cave seasons. He's like, nothing worse than preaching on cave seasons than being in one yourself. I'm like, I know. I felt like I was in a cave, man. You know? And so we... We go into three and a half hours of consulting after that. I'm sick, you know, we, we were overheated. Three and a half hours of meeting with a consultant. We finally finished the day. We're about to walk out of the building. It's just Kendall, myself, and the consultant now. And this youth pushes open the door and is like, did you see that fire? I'm like, no, what? I walk outside and there's a hundred foot fill, pillar of fire outside. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And it looks like it's right by my truck. I'm like, I can't even get home. Like, I'm stuck here forever. The fire has burned down my truck. I'm thinking the church is about to be burned down. By God's grace, San Diego's finest showed up. They put out the fire. And uh, I have cough drops today. It's going to be a great Sunday. So, you know, you, you, when, a, when a consultant comes, you want to put your best foot forward. But I was like, wow, what does he think about this church? So the church is on fire. All right. I want to talk to you today about when you have challenges with leaders. When you have challenges with your leaders. That's where we find ourselves in the story of David with King Saul. We're going to start in 1 Samuel 19. Before we do that, let me share a story from my own life of something I deeply regret. I was a senior in high school. I was on student council, and my friend Catherine and I were selling flowers at a fundraiser in a booth in the middle of the student union building. And we needed to walk off and go get more supplies. So we were leaving our booth to go get supplies in her car when Miss Kay, our student council sponsor, came out, saw us leaving, and started screaming at us. She's like, don't abandon your pose. What are you doing? You can't leave. She's, I mean, she's screaming at us. So we come back, turn around to tell her, Miss Kay, we're just going to get more supplies. And she's like, shut up. She yells at us, shut up. She goes, don't talk back to me. Ooh, I don't like to be yelled at. And so I get home and I tell my mom. And uh, my mom is a very sweet woman unless you mess with her kids. And then she becomes a lion. And so she goes, we're driving right back up to school. And I was like, oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> this is awesome. She's like, we're meeting with the principal. I was like, yes, we are. So we go, we sit down with the principal. And my mom goes, uh, that teacher was totally out of line. She was screaming, screaming at my son. He had done nothing wrong. And I, I noticed the principal really respected my mom. So I noticed he's listening to her. And at that moment, I got a plan in my mind. I thought, you know what? Miss Kay has been hot-headed and, and mean to us for far too long. It's time to get rid of her. And, you know, in my mind, the song, we're not going to take it. No, we're not going to take it. You know, it's going through my head. And um, so I get together a group of students, and I say, guys, Miss Kay just screamed at us. That was the last time we should let her do that. She's, she's out of line. My mom just met with the principal. I think we need to get her kicked out of being our student council sponsor. So I form a coup to get Miss Kay fired from being our student council sponsor. And we go through with it, and Miss K gets fired. 
from being the student council sponsor. And I, I felt a little remorse. So I remember walking by her, her room. This kid didn't have children, so the student council was like her baby, and she just has her head down. She's just weeping. And I felt a little bad, but I thought, you know what? She got what she had coming to her. I go, and I actually picked out this young, sweet teacher to be our student council sponsor. I talked to the rest of the, the council into electing her, and we had this teacher. And for a couple months, it seemed to be going well until all of a sudden this young teacher starts coming hard on me and starts calling me on things. And, and I, I was so frustrated because I was like, didn't we just get rid of someone who did that? Now I'm having the same problems over again. Uh, two years later, I'm in college, and God starts getting a hold of my heart. And, you know, he started cleaning house, bringing up uh, episodes in my life of different sins that I need to repent of. And I remember God bringing to mind this episode where I had formed a coup and gotten Miss K fired. And God started showing me, you know, Robert, there were actually areas in your life that I was refining. And that's why this second sweet teacher started doing the same thing that Miss K did to you. And I was wanting to work in your life, and that was totally inappropriate for you to attack this teacher and get her fired. I was deeply, deeply grieved over what I had done. You see, we're all going to have challenges with leaders in our lives, and God has given us a prescription of a righteous way to deal with that, and that's what we find in 1 Samuel chapter 19. Let's start with verse 1. It says, Saul told his son Jonathan, now remember Saul is the king, he told his son Jonathan, Jonathan would be second in line for the throne, and all the attendants to kill David. Now remember, David's the shepherd boy. He killed Goliath. He's going to end up being the king of Israel. He's in the palace right now, and Saul, the king, currently is trying to kill David and warned him. So, But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David and warned him, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king do wrong to his servant. David, he's not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. That's talking about Goliath. The Lord won a great victory for all of Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. Once more, war broke out, and David went out and fought the Philistines. He struck them with such force that they fled before him. But an evil spirit from the Lord came on Saul as he was sitting in his house with a spear in his hand. While David was playing the lyre, that's a harp, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with the spear, but David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. That night, David made good his escape. So this is as bad as it gets. This is, most of us at one time in our life will deal with a bad boss, a, a harsh leader, a, a, a mean teacher, maybe a, a critical parent. You, we all have to deal with this at some point in our life. Hopefully none of us will get it as bad as David, that you're sitting there writing an email and you make a few mistakes and all of a sudden your CEO is throwing a spear at your head, right? This is what was happening to David. Now the first point I want to make to you today is this. If you're in physical danger, then remove yourself. If you're in physical danger, remove yourself. And I just need to tell you this because oftentimes people suffer silently and they think that the right thing to do is just to take abuse or to take molestation. And I just want to tell you that the Bible actually says that Jesus came to set the prisoners free. 
And so you don't deserve to be abused or molested, right, or, or to be treated with violent actions. That's actually, sometimes we actually think, you know what, I just need to suffer in silence. If I, if I love someone, I'll let them do this to me. Actually, when you do that, you're letting them stay in a trap of sin. And you're letting yourself, you're, your body is the temple of God. You're letting the, the temple of God be uh, hurt and, 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 and be struck. And that's not right. We need to treat our bodies, the temple of God, in an appropriate way. So if you're in a violent situation, remove yourself. And I just want to tell you, some people think, man, I could, I could never do that. I've watched for the last 20 years people get set free from abuse, from molestation, from rape, from this kind of pain. God wants to set you free. If you need to, talk to your life group leader. Talk to one of our staff pastors, and we'll help you walk into that freedom. So I want to give that side caveat today because the rest of the sermon, we're going to be talking about people that they're not in danger of their life, but they are receiving very frustrating, painful treatment from leaders. And I want to show you what David did in response because God works in amazing ways. We find ourselves in verse 18. Watch what happens next. It says, when David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told him what Saul had done. Now, let me just explain. Samuel is a spiritual leader. When you're in trouble, run to spiritual leadership. Let me just say that again. When you're having trouble, when you're in a painful situation, that's time to run to a spiritual leader. That's time to run to a life group leader. Run to your section leader. Run to a pastor. And when we want to hide from leaders, know that that's the enemy working in you. Right, Because if the enemy can isolate you from leaders, then you, you step out of their protection or covering. A, a, a good leader is like a shield that God puts in your life to protect you. A good leader is like an umbrella in the midst of a storm. And so David makes this right decision to actually run to a spiritual leader. It says this, Then he and Samuel went to Naoth and stayed there. Word came to Saul, David's in Naoth at Ramah. So he sent men to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel, standing there as a leader, the Spirit of God came on Saul's men, and they all prophesied. Let me just tell you, going and, and, and finding not only good spiritual leaders, but the people of God and getting in the middle of them is the safest place you can be in life. So, so David runs to, to Samuel. They get around a group of prophets, and they're all worshiping God. Can I just tell you the place of worship is a place of protection? So then evil people come to get them, and what happens? It says this. So he sent men to capture them. When they saw a group of prophets prophesying, Samuel standing there as a leader, the Spirit of God came on Saul's men. The Spirit comes on these bad men. This is crazy. And they also prophesied. Okay, so it's like, imagine a group of, of gang members coming to get you, and you're with the people of God, and all of a sudden, the gang members, you're, you know, they're pulling out their guns and their knives, and all of a sudden, they're like, hallelujah, I worship you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God is going to do amazing things in this place, you know? You're like, what in the world just happened? Finally, okay, so that says, so, so Saul was told about it. He sent more men, and they prophesied too. Saul sent men a third time, and they also prophesied. Finally, he himself left for Ramah and went to the great cistern at Secu, and he asked, where are Samuel and David? Over in Naoth at Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Naoth at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even on him, and he walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth, 
and he stripped off his garments, and he too prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay naked all that day and all that night. This is why the people say, is Saul among the prophets? Okay, so you're in your little cubicle doing your work, and you got this CEO just coming after you, and he's coming, and he's grabbing his managers, and they're going to come and fire you, and the next thing you know, he strips off his suit. He's standing in his boxer saying, hallelujah, I love you, Lord, right? God is going to do stuff great. You're like, what in the world? This is what happened. Okay, this is, this is a historical account from the Bible. Can I just tell you, here's my next point tonight or today or whatever it is. Trust the Lord to supernaturally defend you. Trust the Lord to supernaturally defend you. God can do anything. I have watched him through the years defend the righteous. I, I remember I had this group that just tried to do this character assassination on me. You probably heard me talk about it, where they wrote this paper accusing me of all kinds of things. They distributed it. They made a website about me, and I just started praying. They actually challenged me, why don't you defend yourself? And I said, you know what? I don't need to defend myself. But I started praying, God, get a hold of these guys. The two different guys that authored this thing both set up appointments with me, sat down in my office, and in tears, said, I am so sorry for what I did. I repent. God has convicted me. I can't get away from this. Would you please forgive me? said, you know what? I've already forgiven you, right? God got a hold of their hearts. I remember this other older man, he was trying to block me from something God had told me to do, and he was so harsh, and he was very belittling, and he, he was angry with me. And I just kept praying, God, get this man's heart. Get this man's heart. Because I couldn't go to the next thing that God had called me to because this guy was coming against me. God, get his heart, get his heart. I prayed month after month. After 11 months, I remember talking to him on the phone, and he was like, hi, Robert. I'm glad to talk to you. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? This guy has been a jerk to me. He goes, he actually says this. He goes, God got a hold of my heart. He said, I had a heart attack and almost died. I was like, oh, wow. I didn't mean get a hold of his heart like that, God. He goes, I had a heart attack, almost died. I had quadruple bypass surgery. And he says, everything in my life has changed. And he actually turned and blessed me and helped me move forward. Okay, can I just tell you that God knows how to do business for you? And see, see, here's the temptation is that we, we love vengeance. We, we love these, these stories in America of getting back at people. Like I cut my teeth as a young boy on the Karate Kid, right? And poor little Danielson. Anyone seen the Karate Kid or know the story? Give me a wave. Okay, a few of you like this. This big, tough, mean, blonde-headed guy with his beautiful hair, but I'm not jealous, comes up and picks on skinny little Danielson, right? And then the whole story is Danielson getting trained in this, like, crazy crane thing to kick the guy in the face. And we're all like, yeah, right? Revenge. But that's not actually from God, right? Or we, like, love Braveheart where they, you know, they attack William Wallace's family and then he goes and kills them all. And like even pastors are like, yes, be like Braveheart. You're like, wait a second. No, this isn't from God to go in revenge and kill everyone. Like that's our, our, our American modality. But God is saying this, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Psalm 57, this is what David did when he's in the cave. It says, I cry out to God my uh, God most high, to God who vindicates me. The right response is let God vindicate you. 
He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God, let God rebuke. God can deal with your enemies much better than you can. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I'm in the midst of lions. I'm forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, those whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, among the heavens. He's acknowledging it. Some of you have been cut to the heart by evil people. You have bosses that are coming after you. You have teachers who are demeaning you. You feel like swords are coming out of their mouth. Bring it to God. Bring it to God. Cry out to God for help. Call out to him. Watch what he says. He says, be exalted, O God. When you're being oppressed, it's a perfect time for God to exalt himself. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. God is the master of turning the enemy on themselves. That's what God does. But here's the deal. We've got to trust him to do that because if you respond in the flesh, if you go back and try to take vengeance on someone, then you, cre- you commit sin and then you step out of God's protection because the enemy then has a rightful foothold in your life because of sin. Are you following me? The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous can run in and they are safe. But if you walk out into sin, then the enemy has a right to attack you. He has a right to take you out. So the way to stay protected is by not sinning and saying, I'm going to trust God to be my defender. He vindicates the righteous. Look what Proverbs 16, 7 says. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. That's what happened to me. I'm praying, and my enemies come and ask for forgiveness, right? It might not happen the next day. It might not happen the next week or the next month. It might be years, but this is the way of God. So let's watch this next episode. We're going to skip way forward to chapter 24. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. Like, things don't always turn in a day, folks. You might have to deal with a bully for a long time, right? David's actually in the desert because of harsh leaders, because of bad bosses, critical teachers, right? Tyrannical parents. You might find yourself in a desert situation. David was in the desert, but God's going to meet him in that desert. Now watch this. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. Talked about caves last week. And Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. I love that the, the Bible's like, hey, so Paul went to take a poop and says it, right? Like this, the, the Bible doesn't just try to make things colorful and, and, and clear over things. The Bible's just telling us this is what happened, okay? Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So did you notice that? His men say, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said, I'll give you your enemy into your hands to deal with you. David creeps up. He could kill him, but instead he cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscious stricken. He's grieved for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he's the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul, and Saul left the cave and went his way. Okay, I'm gonna unpack a lot of things from this scripture, but the first thing I need you to see 
is David is saying Saul is actually anointed. Like Saul's anointed by God. Do you, do you believe, church, that God anoints leaders? Like God calls people to be leaders. Do you know that God had called Saul to be the leader of Israel? He had called him to be king. And so David, although Saul's in a mess of sin, he's demonically afflicted, David still honors him and respects him as the leader of Israel. Let me just, let me just tell you, God puts leaders in our lives. Here's what Hebrews 13, 7 says. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. God gives us leaders for our best. God gives us leaders to protect us, to cover us, right? We're, we're known as sheep, and leaders are shepherds. I don't know if you know this, but sheep are dumb, right? They do dumb things. Like, sheep will be walking, and a sheep will jump, and all the other sheep and will jump just to follow it, even though there's nothing to jump about, right? Like, the sheep just got a little spooked, but then all hundred sheep jump in the exact same place. Like, and God's like, you're a sheep, you know? And we're like, oh, that's so sweet, because we, we think of, like, a Hallmark greeting card, and really God's like, no, you're kind of like a sheep, like, you do dumb things. And you need a shepherd, right? And, and so we need leaders, and here's what I find in life, that so many of the dumb things we do as humans could have been avoided if we would have listened to a leader in our life. Like, do you know that you will never have all the wisdom for every aspect of your life because God actually makes us where we need the body of Christ? Do you know that? Like, you'll never know every single thing. It's, 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 it's not about just you and Jesus in life. We, we are known as the body of Christ. And so, like, a nose needs an ear, right? And an ear needs a mouth. And so you're one of the figures of the body of Christ, and so we need each other. So God makes it to where we actually need leaders in our life. I, I remember when we moved to San Diego, and we had mold a couple different times in our house, and uh, so we had, to, we had to keep moving from house to house. We moved 12 times in five years. It was challenging. And I remember one of the times we were having to move the next day from this house, and I had scoured Craigslist. I had, I had had an uh, agent working with me, and I couldn't find a house to rent, and I had to move the next day. Like, we, we had to be out the next day. And so I had this thought. I got my, my um, I had money back from my deposit. I had $3,500. That was all the money I had at $3,500. And I thought, okay, I can't find a place. I've got to have a place for my family of six tomorrow. I'll buy an RV. So I've, I found an RV online for $3,500. Great RV. And, um, but I was like, you know, I'm not going to make a decision unless I, I submit it to one of my leaders. So I, 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 called my pastor, and he couldn't take the call. He was dealing with an emergency, so I just leave a message. I'm like, bummer. I get this text back, okay? No RV. And it said, God will provide. So you gotta understand, I had to move the next day, and now I've just got a word from my leader, no RV. God will provide. You know the, the end of the day? Nothing had happened. I wake up the next morning, the day I have to move, and this couple calls me and says, hey, we were praying, and we felt like God put on our heart to invite you into our home. We're empty nesters now. We have three empty bedrooms for it uh, that you and your family can move into. That must be nice, right? Three empty bedrooms. Three empty bedrooms for you to move in, and you, can, and, and you don't need to pay us anything. We want you to be able to save while you're trying to buy a house. So I saved $3,500. I didn't have a rent payment. 
right? It turns out this guy was a skilled laborer. We start a life group in his home. In comes a new couple just joining the church, Glenn and Jackie Fromang. I get to know them. Glenn becomes my general contractor. This guy does all my electrical in my new house. I was able to save money, and I was able to, in the exact right moment, have money saved up to buy a foreclosed home, and now I live in this beautiful home. I'm so thankful for a leader that I could submit something to, and they said, no RV, right? Now, if you live in an RV, bless you. I love RVs. I'd like to come and visit your RV. I'd like to take it to the beach. The point isn't no RVs. The point is God uses leaders to speak into our life at the right time because he wants to bless us. He wants to give us good leadership. I never make a decision without submitting it to a wise leader, Hey, don't ever make a decision without first seeking wise counsel from a leader because God's put them in your life to help you live out a God-honoring life. Here's, here's the next thing I see, though. Saul is in a bad place. Saul has come in to relieve himself, right? David is seeing Saul in all his poop, okay? Like, that's prophetic, Right? of we see people's junk in life, right? David's actually seeing his junk. And, and so what happens? His friends, the Christians around him say, this is it. This is your opportunity to get rid of that leader. Like he's oppressed you. This is, this is your, you have the right. Can I just tell you that you're gonna see leaders in their poop in life? Like you're gonna see the poop of your leaders, okay? Now don't think about this too much, right? This is, but what I'm saying from this story is you're going to see your leaders in vulnerable places and you're going to have you're going to have other people even say like get rid of this leader or this is a time to get away from them. Can I just tell you I've had people say that to me for years. Right? But what do I understand? Here's the next point, don't strike the Lord's anointed. Don't strike the Lord's anointed. That's not your right. It's God's right to deal with leaders. That's not our right. Uh, you will have, at times, you will have bad leadership. I remember in the church, one of my first leaders, when I started really walking with God, I became a life group leader, and I had this leader that came and gathered a group of five guys, and we were all starting to lead, and, and he said this to us. He goes, I want to see who can grow the fastest life group and who can grow the biggest life group, and whoever grows the biggest and multiplies, that's going to be the leader. And I'm thinking, like, this is crazy. Like, you're promoting competition in the church. And this leader, man, he, would, he was so hard on me. He would call out things all the time. Like, he would, he would go after my heart motives. And so much of the time, right, it was, it was totally inappropriate. And I just wanted to leave. I wanted to get away from them. I didn't want to walk with them. But God just kept reminding me, don't do what you did with Miss Kay. Like, let me take care of you. You go low. Let you're, you work on your character, Robert, and I'll take care of it. You know, the funny thing is, this leader all of a sudden got put under another leader, and that leader was so hard on him. And all of a sudden, he wasn't my leader anymore, but he just had the hardest leader on him all the time, and, and it just crushed him. And the crazy thing is, within two years, this leader, who had been so hard on me, who was under a hard leader, he totally changed. And he came back, and he was so loving. Like, he became one of the godliest men I knew. And I was so glad that I didn't rebel against him, that I didn't come against him. Here's what scripture says. This is, this is so powerful. 1 Samuel 15, 23. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You know, in America, we think it's cool to rebel. 
right? We're like, oh, be the guy with the popped up collar, the leather jacket, you know, and the teacher talks and you blow the smoke in their face and ooh, I'm a cool rebel. And, and, and instead, you know what the Bible says? No, you're in witchcraft. That's the same as witchcraft. That's the same as channeling demonic power. You know, when we rebel, it's not cool, it's demonic. You let God defend you. You don't rebel. The second you rebel, you're opening up your life to all kinds of forces. That's why I'm putting my collar down quickly. Do not want to be rebellious. So let's finish the story. It says, then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, my Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Okay, Saul has been trying to kill David. And what does David do? David still honors Saul. Okay? You want the power of God to come in your business, to come in your schoolwork, to come in your family? Honor your leader even when they're unrighteous. Right? And you come with the opposite spirit and you change the atmosphere of the room. Right? Because you're bringing the kingdom of God. You're bring, do you understand you're bringing the kingdom of God? It, it has to be supernatural because in the natural, you could never honor someone who's coming against you. But you shift the atmosphere. You release heaven's power. You enlist God's angels when you honor in an unhonoring situation. Okay, so he bows down. He honors, and what happens? He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you've seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I won't lay a hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. Okay, look at this. David speaks the truth. It's okay for you to speak the truth to, a, to an unrighteous leader. It's called speaking the truth in love. Do you know that you can bring confrontation without hate? Do you know that you can confront someone in an honoring way? So David honors him, as the king, he's bowed down, he's taken a place of honor, but he speaks the truth to him. Saul, why are you doing this? I'm not trying to kill you. I could have done this, but I didn't do that to you, okay? See, my father, look at, look at this piece of robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there's nothing in my hand to indicate that I'm guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. You want it to be said of you after you suffer under an unrighteous leader that you haven't done anything wrong and that you haven't been in rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you're hunting me to take down my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you've done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing, a dead dog, a flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. Let your righteous deeds bring conviction to unrighteous leaders over you. When you stand in righteousness, it's like a mirror that exposes evil people's deeds. So you be a prophetic picture of the purity of God and let it bring conviction on other people. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I've treated you badly. You've just 
now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he not let them get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king, and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. This brings me to the last point. No leader can block the promises of God on your life. And to say that again, no leader can block the promises of God on your life. No one can stand in the way of the promises of God on your life except you. So we think, oh, I'll never be able to fulfill God's plan. I'm going to suffer for the rest of my life. And God says, no, just endure. Don't come against him. That would be sin, right? Here's the amazing thing, okay? Here, one of the great blessings that David had because he didn't come against Saul, remember his men are like, take him out, David. This is your opportunity. David didn't do it. Do you know if he would have done it, that his men would have felt justified that when a leader sins, we can take him out. And then a several chapters later, David would sin. And his men would have taken him out. Why? Because they would have said, well, David did it. What, what we know in Israel is if a leader sins, then we can take him out. Can I just tell you that David was building loyalty in his people by showing, you know what, I don't attack a leader because that's God's job, not mine. So his men, when David would fall into sin later on, which everyone, not, not to the degree that David did, but we all make mistakes, but, but David didn't take out a leader when he had made a mistake, so his men now know, you know what, our leader, if he makes mistakes, we're still going to be loyal to him, right? David depended on God, and here in the end, Saul's wickedness is revealed, and Saul himself starts prophesying, David, you're going to be king. David, you're going to be raised up as king. The very man that's trying to kill him is all of a sudden prophesying, you're going to be king, and all the kingdom's going to be behind you. And guess what happens? Saul gets killed, and David gets exalted. No one can block God's promises from your life except you, right? If there's a, a, a leader coming against you, if you have a bad boss right now, if you have a harsh parent, if you're in a, in a challenging situation, draw near to God. Worship him. Let me finish with this story. A couple of weeks ago, Kendall mentioned Brian and, and Jenny Peterson. They were in the last service. They're about to launch out to South Africa on our team. We're believing for many people to do what they're going to do. They're going to actually start a business in South Africa and work full-time marketplace in the midst of being a part of our church planting team. So using their vocation to advance the kingdom in a new location. But that almost didn't happen, and here's why. Uh, a couple of years ago, Brian was taking this new job, and a partner in this company hired him to lead the sales division. So Brian's excited, it's a great opportunity, until he meets with the other partner of this company, and that other partner says, no, you're not gonna lead the sales division, that's what I'm gonna do. Brian says, well, that's what I was hired for. What am I supposed to do? And the other partner says, you just do whatever I tell you to do. You basically just serve whatever I want, whenever I want. So, of course, Brian's just crushed, and he's realizing, like, wow, this is a, 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 a lower job than I started my career 10 years ago in. And so he goes home, and, and he and Jenny are, are, you know, at home and said, what should we do? And they said, we just got to worship. We just got to meet with God. So they start worshiping, and Brian just starts praying out, feels led to pray this prayer. God, I thank you for this trial, because it's an opportunity for you to do something amazing. 
So they just worship. They worship for a long time, and he's just thanking God for the trial because it's an opportunity for God to do something, and then God speaks to his heart. And he speaks to him, Brian, go back and submit to that unrighteous boss. Oh, that's not what you want to hear. So he goes back and, and, and submits to him and honors him for a day, for a week, for six weeks, right? for months. For six months, he's just gone, taking this lowly job, dealing with this harsh boss. And then in six months, instead of things changing, the boss gets worse and the boss decides to fire Brian. So Brian was hoping that he could go and do this job in South Africa, and now he's about to lose the very job that he stayed with where he's been serving and honoring this unrighteous boss. So he goes to work the next day where he finds out he's being fired, and something crazy happens. The original partner that hired him, instead of letting Brian get fired, that partner fires Brian's boss. He fires the partner that was over Brian, and all of a sudden, Brian gets promoted in a day. And then instead of just getting to go to South Africa and have his job, the partner says, we'll send you to South Africa to launch a new branch of our company. In a day, he was vindicated. In a day, his unrighteous boss was fired. In a day, he was promoted. And now he's going to get to fulfill his dream. You see, no man can block the promises of God. If God can do it for Brian, he can do it for you. Right? And that's what we're believing for. We're believing for to be a people like David who say, well, I'm not going to fight my own battles, Lord. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to vindicate me. I'm going to go in and I'm going to shift the atmosphere and I'm going to see you do marvelous things in my day and I'm going to watch you promote me. Let's stand up. Just close your eyes with me. How can we live this supernatural life? Just everyone just close your eyes. How can... How can we live in the midst of peace when we're, when we're hurt, when there's pain in our life? It's because we know that there's a God who's bigger than us. We know that there's one who loves us and who cares for us. You know, ultimately, it's because Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins. And he comes in our life and he fills us with the Holy Spirit and he lets us respond in ways that we never could. And he gives us a peace and a joy and a hope that we could never have. And if you're not 100% sure that Jesus is living in your heart, you're not 100% sure you're gonna go to heaven when you die, I wanna pray with you right now. Or if you've walked far away from him and you say, you know what, I need to come back. I need to, I need to come back to that place of peace and joy of walking with God, my life not being my own. I wanna give my life to Jesus. If that's your heart, just pray with me right now. Just say this, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. I repent of my sin. Wash me clean. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm gonna follow you forever. Just every eye closed right now, I wanna pray for those right now who say, yeah, I'm opening my heart up to Jesus. I'm asking him to come in and save me, to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, this morning, I just want you to do this real quick. Just every eye closed, but just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Who is that? Just say, yeah, that's me, Pastor. Just raise your hand right now. Look up at me real quick. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to point you out. Who is that? Just look up at me real quick. Just all over this room. If that's you, just look up at me and wave your hand. Thanks. Who else? Just look up at me. I'm going to just take a minute. Who else? Who else just says, yeah, today? Awesome. Thank you. Who else? Anyone else? Just say, yeah, today I'm 
giving my life to Jesus or I'm coming back to Jesus. Awesome. All right, Father, I thank you for these ones who are coming to you. I thank you that you're removing their sin from them, that you died on the cross to forgive them. You're giving them a new life in you. We pray that they would receive that forgiveness, that love, and that joy. In Jesus' name, prayer team, quickly come forward.